Okay, this should be a good one. Checking my connection. And we are now live. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. It's actually quite cold here in Ontario, very windy outside. We have some rain coming, but thank you, thank you, thank you for joining this amazing 165th 165 episode of the BC Motor Tech Tuesday. And uh, hope you guys are staying safe wherever you are all across the globe. We should have a lot of fun this particular session. We'll talk about turbos and life and fun and projects and EVs and transportation and good stuff. Good morning, Rawlins Kitchens in San Diego. Hello, Eparse. Good afternoon. Jay Detok. Good seeing you, Jay. Greetings, Rakilma. Long time no speak. Hello, BP1977, all the way from Belgium, Europe. Hope you're staying safe out there in Belgium, north of France. Hello, Jacob. Misk. Hello, indeed. Thank you, Jesteezy. Odyssey's right there. Let me try and turn it around so you guys can see a little bit more of it. There you go. Odyssey's right there. Um, good afternoon, Rigai. Good seeing you as well. Geronimo, hello. Hello, Cafe. Thank you so much. Yes, <laughs> me and I were tidying up this morning. I had a CRX in the corner there, and I see my trailer. I'm going to take it to Riverside and pick up our pink Porsche, bring it back over here and do some fun. It's going to be pretty good. Hello, Ontario, Canada from Ontario, California. Thank you for joining indeed. Greetings, Janelle. Good seeing you. Elmer from Puerto Rico. Greetings indeed. Cohen Wilkie. Thank you for joining. I'm doing well, Parse. Hopefully you're doing well and staying safe. Alcat, hello. Hello, Fabio. Greetings from Romania. Thank you so much. Love the gray one. Forgot the name. That's a Cayman. That's a twin turbo Cayman right there. Chilling. Thank you, Don Van Lego. Appreciate the kind words. Marcin, just here, living the dream. Doing my 165th. Can you believe that many? Tech Tuesdays, 165. Three years, almost four years straight, nonstop. Hello, HTX 5.0. Hello, Chris. Cheers from New Jersey, PWR forever. Long time no see as well. Not Matey from Romania. My goodness, so much love from Romania. And that Chris is in West Covina and then Williams in Sweden. Oh my goodness. I know, Alex. It's the wind is crazy. I, I look for the. Because every time I leave the house to know what to wear, today I'm wearing my little wagon van, you know, little baseball shirt. But before I leave the house, I always look and see what the temperature is going to be for the day. And there's this wind advisory, like there's a warning for L.A. County and San Bernardino County about winds. So, guys, we have some crazy winds. Thank you so much. I have maybe, Trevor, like maybe two or three left in extra large up front. So if you need to grab it on the website before it goes... Hello from Bonita, California. Chris Fromm, good seeing you indeed. Thank you for joining. Josu, thank you so much. The Bay Area is in the house, courtesy of Elias Churchill. Thank you so much. We personally say I'm grateful. All is well. Thank God. So far, so good. And take care from COVID as well. Too many negative stories being brought, so it's best to ideal to play it safe and wear full protection. And you're absolutely correct. Staying safe is key. We have to do it. In California, it's bananas here. Something crazy, like one out of every five people has COVID. It's, you have to stay safe. My hands, look at how dry my hands are, look at this. My hands are like dry, like I've been slapping cotton. No, slapping flour because, that's cotton, flour, because it's just, I've been washing so much, my hands are just ridiculously dry. Wear masks every time I leave. I even shaved up my little small beard so that I wouldn't get any particles going inside of my mask. It's just crazy, crazy. So we have to stay safe. You're absolutely correct, sir. Dennis, good seeing you, brother. Oh, Roland says fire and wind. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Sound check of Carmen. By the way, how are you doing? How's the situation there in the States and Corona? Greetings from Switzerland. 
Yeah, Evie, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty dismal here. Um, there, the challenge is there are a lot of people who understand, like I do, the, the danger of this pathogen, the danger of this virus. And now it's mutated to something that's even more contagious. But then there's so many people around me who don't care. Like they don't even care. They think it's a joke or that it's, it's, it's not even a challenge. I have a customer, one of our dealers, whose partner did everything meticulous he could to take care of himself. But then his sister's boyfriend didn't care, just was careless, just would go to these super spreader events, act like nothing was wrong, forgive the noise, it's really windy outside, and then end up bringing it to that family. And this guy ended up getting very sick. He's in the ICU now. Meanwhile, the guy who brought it to them is asymptomatic. It's crazy, right? The guy who didn't care about it, got it, gave it to everyone else. Everyone's getting sick, but he's like, okay, it's, it's frightening. Anyway, enough of this negativity. Enough of this negativity in us. Can you talk about nitrous, says Estenis68? Yes, I can. Let's talk about nitrous oxide systems, or NOS, which is actually a brand of nitrous oxide. So you have companies like NOS, you have companies like Nitrous Express, you have all these other companies that actually do some really cool stuff. There's another one right here. I don't know what that is. It's like nitrous-assisted nitrous. I don't know, another name. There's a bottle right there. Let me show it to you guys. Hold on. This is a nitrous bottle. So you see how big that is? Pretty big bottle, nitrous. And what that is, is N2O. And the cool thing about N2O is that at certain temperatures, it can dissociate the N2O, can dissociate and have nitrogen by itself and inert gas and oxygen, which is what we need to make power in engines. So let's take a step back, Estan and team, about the way to make power in internal combustion engines. The way to make power in internal combustion engines is to get as much air, which contains about 20% oxygen, into the engine with the appropriate amount of fuel as possible. And engines are nothing but glorified energy converters. It takes the energy, chemical energy that exists in fuel and the air, hence oxygen, and then converts it to heat energy via combustion. So when a spark plug goes off and ignites the mixture, it now has this combustion element now chemical energy is turned to heat energy. That heat now does work on top of the piston, which pushes down on the piston, which then is connected to a crankshaft, which takes that up and down motion to rotational. Now you have that heat energy converted to mechanical. So once again, chemical to heat to mechanical energy. So that's all engines are, are energy converters. Now the one way to make power is to conserve a lot of that heat of combustion that happens, right? Conserve as much as possible. So you do a lot of coatings and crazy stuff. But the key thing is to get as much oxygen air into the engine as possible. So, and that's aspirated. We're relying on atmospheric pressure. So what do we do? We remove all the resistance that may occur with getting air into the combustion chamber. We port the heads. We get bigger throttle bodies, ITBs, bigger camshafts to keep the valve open longer. We do all this crazy stuff to get more power, right? Or we turbocharge. We force feed air. We push air through a compressor wheel into it by supercharging or turbocharging. Or we do something like with this big bottle right here. We use nitrous, which is a chemical supercharger. Now, instead of forcing air in, we are increasing the concentration of oxygen into it. Now, the key thing with nitrous is it's really crazy because you made a lot of reliable power. But the key is to be able to add appropriate amount of fuel to get the power you need. So fueling is extremely important. And also, since your engine is now a little bit more NOx sensitive because you have this very oxygen-rich environment, you have to retard timing. So, 
For low power systems, you may have heard things like shot. For a low 50 shot, 75 shot, you can get away with a single fogger system where you have one fogger, one nitrous jet, like a little spray nozzle to inject nitrous into your engine. And then you can do it dry or wet. Dry meaning you're gonna use your fuel system, your injectors in your engine to increase the fuel capacity to compensate for extra oxygen and you just inject nitrous, no problem. Or you can go with a wet system where you put nitrous and fuel, appropriate amount of fuel, so you don't have to worry about your system. Now, here's the challenge with some nitrous systems, nitrous period. The gas and the fuel coming in via nitrous is more dense than the air around it, right? So that being said, as you're injecting that, the distribution could be interesting. Distribution meaning in your intake manifold, some runners may get more air, more nitrous or more fuel than others, some may run leaner and can have a problem. So when you start using big shots of nitrous, you want to do what is known as individual ports. You want to do individual port nitrous, where you put nozzles in each of the runners to get best distribution. So there are people who can do a lot of stuff, you know. I know, rest screenshot of my chair. That's my chair right there. Because <laughs> I walked away to get something for you guys, because I love props, right? Thank you, Kovold. But um, yeah, that's a little bit of nitrous, so you can have a lot of fun with that. What do I like about nitrous? It's pretty cost-effective, it's very easy. I've had cars we built for American Honda, it is an Accord we did in 2013. I put a nitrous shot in it and jump me up to 400 horsepower, it's great, very easy to install. Some of the caveats is consistency. Once again, this is a gas cylinder that we're using for nitrous, right? Now, of course, when, the, when, the, when this cylinder is full, you get a lot of pressure to push the air out, or the nitrous out. As the cylinder pressure decreases because of less and less nitrous in it, you don't have a very consistent mixture, but your jets don't know that. It's very sad. So sometimes to get a consistent mixture, you kind of have to warm up your bottle to get that. You don't want to overwarm it because you have too much pressure. You don't want to underwarm it to where you don't get the effect you want. So it's like a bit, a bit of a balancing act. So it's a little bit cumbersome. And then you have to keep recharging it. One of the great things about turbocharging back there, and that's going to be turbo soon. There's a customer's car just dropped off. It's going to be crazy. That's going to look crazier than these two when I'm done. Anyway. The cool thing about turbocharging is that you don't have to worry about, sorry about the noise guys, it's so windy outside. You don't have to worry about having the opportunity to keep recharging things. You're using the elements of combustion, being heat and radiation to turn a turbocharger. So you don't have to refill anything. With nitrous, you have to, after it's depleted, you have to go refill. And when it goes out and it's depleted completely, you don't have the power. So it is uh, consumable, for lack of a better word. So I hope that, hope that helps. Please do a garage tour, Fabio. I think in the, I, I probably should do that. There's a lot of projects and craziness out there. I, I think I will. I think I will indeed, you know? Looking to get my first Porsche, says XX Crossover. Soon, you love, the Porsche community is amazing. By March, hopefully by St. Patrick's Day. My question is, which is a great Porsche for beginner in this category? Best input is much appreciated. So Crossover, it depends on your goals and budget. And I mean it. So for me, as an enthusiast, who didn't want to break the bank with my first Sears Porsche. Uh, my first one was a Boxster, which is very close relation to that Cayman there. So from a performance perspective, something that doesn't break the bank, the Cayman is a wonderful entry-level Porsche. Absolutely amazing. You'll find Caymans anywhere from the high teens to the mid-50s, depending on what you're looking for. What I have there is a Cayman S, which is a 987.1. Very, very tunable, port injection, we have engine management solutions for that, if you so desire. You can flash the ECU, the factory one if you so desire. So much aftermarket support. And the mid-engine Porsches are amazing. The only Achilles heel of the mid-engine Porsches are the power. Combine the power of a 911 
with agility of a Cayman is absolutely bananas. And hence, that's why I did that. That's why I have the twin turbos there, because I want to give it the 911 power, and it is the, I'm telling you guys, the most perfect Porsche I've ever, it's just amazing. Amazing balance and power and, and feel. Now, if you want something that's a lot of fun, but you also want something that you can haul around the family with quite a bit, because that's only a two-seater, right? The Macan Turbo, even the Cayenne Turbo, those are really, really, really nice cars. Let's say you want something that is just going to knock your socks off and you don't have to worry about emissions. <laughs> but it's a little bit on the pricier side, but an absolute blast to drive. If I had that right now, I'd probably be in big trouble, is a new Taycan Turbo S. Taycan Turbo is an EV version from Porsche, absolutely fantastic. Now, on the flip side, if you want something very old school and prestigious, see that right there? That's like a 964, give me those on YouTube, right there, that is like, those are nice. The 964 I like a lot because it's the last of the frog eye Porsches, where you have the frog eye, the eyes that kind of stick up. Unlike the 993, that starts to look a little more modern with the sloped front hood. But when you get a 964, it has the feel and the AC and the heating system of a modern car, but still that classic look. So it's the most modern of the classic Porsches, in my opinion, and I love very much. Now, I cannot finish this discussion without sharing with you my thoughts on a supercar that's super underrated, underrated. And that's a 996 Twin Turbo. Let's say you have dollars to $50,000 in your arsenal to play around with. The 996 Twin Turbo is absolutely bananas. It is the most underrated supercar, period. All-wheel drive, capability of a gearbox that can do 1,000 horsepower without qualm, an engine that can do 600 horsepower stock without having to open it up, all-wheel drive assembly, did I say, a manual transmission that's absolutely nice. The beauty, the car is nice and wide body with the little vents on the side, amazing suspension, very balanced, extremely reliable. The only thing I would do on a 96 Turbo is pin one of the outlets for the cooling system so they wouldn't slip out. But I'm telling you guys, that thing is absolutely bananas. And very, very tunable and easily upgradable. You can do a turbo upgrade and a flash, or a turbo upgrade and an engine management solution, an exhaust, and boom, you can be a 500, 600 horsepower, just like that, just like that. Compared to, let's say, some of my customers who buy an NSX, they have to put so much money to get that NSX to get the 400 horsepower, a turbo system, um, engine management solution, um, and if they want to really have it robust, they have to, of course, upgrade the clutch. Maybe even the, 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 the rod bolts and rods and pistons, maybe, but if you only leave the stock, by the time you add a turbo kit to an NSX, you have now passed the territory of what you could do with a 996 Twin Turbo. So guys, I know it's a long speech, but it was a, I have so much to share about the first portion to get, because there's so many great options. It's just a great brand indeed, you know? What's the power curve on a nitrous utilizing engine? says one ignition. It looks really interesting. Once the nitrous hits, I wish I, wish I had the time to just show one on my dyno. It's like this, like you have the, the nitrous aspirator curve and you have this jettison up, this, this northbound exponential increase in power. It's pretty, if you're driving, you just put you in your seat. On the dyno, you just, it just lifts up on the dyno. It's crazy. So it's, it's very northbound in terms of power and torque. And it kind of stays up there until you let off or until you disable it, you know? Yes, Russian, that is the minivan right there. People kept asking me so much. I said, you know, I'm going to do my Tech Tuesday in front of the van so people can see it, still see it. Hmm? Um, hello, Garage Builds. Good seeing you indeed. Um, which trouble would you put on my fully built F22A4, says Anthony Warritz. So, Anthony, it depends on your goals. And I'll give you a bit of a range here. If you want something that's a lot of fun for that built F22A, and let's say you want to just hover in the 400 range, 
call me crazy, you can push a 48 millimeter billet. Some from Turbodenics, the smaller turbos that they have, um, you can do absolute wonders with that. Um, the TNX size turbos, it's a T25, 48 millimeter, you can push each one, push it, and that thing will have torque and spool like that. But let's say you wanted something a little bit more than 400 horsepower. Let's say you want to hover in the five to 600. You can go with a 57 millimeter turbo. We can still eat your kick and have it too. Have a decent mid-range and bottom end, and still have the top end. But let's say you want a proper dino queen and you'll do something crazy. Go BC style if you so desire. <laughs> you can do like a 72 millimeter and you can easily eclipse a four digit mark, but you will rob Peter to pay Paul, meaning that you will have a very nice up top power and torque at the sacrifice of low end capability, meaning that you'll have a lot of lag. Now, lag is not necessarily all a bad thing when cruising. Um, I think you're overseas, so you could be able to get away with this, but when cruising, you're like in vacuum, you're driving like an NA setup, like a low compression NA. If anything, your F22A, those came stock 8.8 to one. If you go with a nine to one or 10 to one setup, you actually have a more efficient cruising um, uh, um, drivability than you would before. And then when you step into it, the turbo's there, but just when you shift, Sometimes I have to pull out a boost. Unless you do some clever anti-lag stuff, you know? Which is pretty nice, you know? Screwface Kendo says, how's it going? It's going well, Kendo. Coming from Maryland, wow, it's cold over there right now. Any tips on building a 1980 SC Targa? Absolutely. So, if you just want something very elegant where you don't want to, let's say you have matching numbers and you don't want to mess up anything, you just want to keep it really nice, you just want a nice little upgrade, there are two very nice upgrades I can recommend to you from a performance perspective. Um, Engine-wise, that is. The Beast Mall Post Chamber, because immediately you get 14 wheel horsepower out the gate. Boom, just like that. Emission-friendly, doesn't break the bank, very cost-effective, very you save weight, over 20 pounds you save in the rear end, and then you have this great power, and then if it's, you have the ability to make it a little quieter without any detriments on power, and you know, pull out the silencer or better yet, the sound arrestor and have the nice race-inspired tone. It gives a nice deep tone. No, no raspy stuff here, very nice deep tone. And then believe it or not, something that people tend to overlook is more oil. If you have a decent you know, seal in your crankcase, you can run some Purell 10W40, and you pick up some nice power. It's just the, 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 the oil that's what I use here. You see, I'm, I'm rocking their hat, and I use them in all my cars back there. In that one, and then that, and that. Well, that's a customer's car, but definitely. Um, you have the opportunity to get some power there based upon oil. Because not all oils are created equally, and the fact that it has better lubricity, for lack of a better word, where it can reduce friction, it releases that power for you to propel your car, which is great. The SCs on the same token, especially that year, that G-body year, are not the best in handling. So in the handling department, above and beyond the power that I shared with you, going with a set of K KW Club Sports, man, that can really wake your setup up. Like, absolutely bananas. And I may have a set in stock if you need help with one, but absolutely bananas. And when you install that, your car is night and day. It's just, the handling is just ridiculous. Oh, don't even dare put in, let's say, a, a, a set of uh, sway bars from Eibach and it's over. It's game over. It's like, you have the perfect handling, nice balance, little power from the, from the post chamber, some good power from the oil, and you're set. So I hope that helps. Show the insights, Antoine. It's, you see the hood of the wagon back there? Put the wagon on the other side is the inside. It's just in there. Stop it, Kevin. How dare you, you know? Looks like the Lutcher Rumi on shot for a new project. Yes, you're absolutely right, Bluster Racing Red. Good friend. Um, two things. I put a CRX in the trailer. I'm bringing in Hedy's pink 911, or better yet, Ruby Stone Red. 
And then, the, as you notice here, I don't have the M16 near me. The M16 is at SOS getting interior done, so that's coming in as well. And then, I'm bringing the Viper tomorrow, so I need to clear a little space, because all this is gonna be taken by Porsches and Vipers and stuff, you know? Which is pretty nice. Hello, Marcus Walford, good seeing you indeed. Thank you so much. Hello, Purell USA, I was just talking about you guys. Good seeing you, thanks for joining indeed. Um, come to Maryland, what could you do to improve? Oh, I talked about that, screw face, Kendall, I got you. I got you, sir. It's just, there's so many great things, you know? EV Odyssey in the plans? So it's Milo Fu, um, I really want to do that. I've been talking to American Honda about that, but I don't know why they're dragging their feet. I really want to build a newer EV van. If not, call me crazy, maybe I should convert that one. Maybe so, I'll do a poll. And you guys let me know if you want me to keep this as petrol, which is okay, or go to some kind of crazy rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive wagon van. Let me know. That'd be pretty cool, you know? Has a lot of space for batteries, tell you that. By the time I take um, any of the, you know, gas tank out and exhaust system and engine and transmission, I have all this space <laughs> for batteries, so it'd be pretty, pretty cool, which is pretty nice, you know? Shout out for Queens, New York! Carrick, 370Z, thanks for joining indeed. Um, how to fix electrical gremlins on the Porsche 904? Honestly, Papi Cruz, to remove everything out there, put a full standalone and also a PDM. That's fixed that. Which gen of Vipers, BC? Fifth gen. I love the fifth gen. It's, it's actually, I like that. I'm partial to the second gen and the fifth gen because it has that nice voluptuous look. The second gen is old school, but I don't like the interior. It looks like a Durango interior. But the fifth gen, is the most powerful, the most refined, has all the creature comforts you may want, absolutely gorgeous. Ralph Gilles was the head of FCA at the time, um, especially the SRT division. He did a great job with that, with that vehicle and his team. Did a smashing job with that. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And then if you want to misbehave, if you disable the traction control or the stability control, it's off. No, Not like Mercedes, where they kind of tippy-toe, it's off, but it's not quite off. When Dodge turns yours off, it is off. It is off. You have to be careful, which is pretty interesting, you know? Love watching you build race cars. Say A-B-L-D-A Auto. Thank you so much. Hello, Chineme. He said EV wagon will be dope. I concur. It will be great. Imagine a 1,200 horsepower all-wheel drive Odyssey. Maybe I should start off with maybe 800 to 900 and then go to 1,200. Or should I just come out the gate? It would be more expensive to build, but that would be just ridiculous, wouldn't it, you know? Can you tune my Turbo D16? I'll be there ready in a few months. Absolutely, door, the doors horse. Please make sure that you choose a, an appropriate engine management solution, um, something that can give me ability to see knock. Ideally, an AM Series 2 or Infinity. My team can help you with that if you haven't bought one already and maybe do a package deal for you. But please allow me the opportunity to tune you properly. Um, if you use something that doesn't allow me to do great things, um, it limits what I can give you. So I want to make things very nice and very, you know, advantageous to you. And I'll give you an example. Some people use P28s that have these chips in them uh, to tune. And the bad thing about that is I cannot see knock at all. So for his Turbo D16, if I'm tuning it at, let's say, any amount of boost, it could be low boost, high boost, and let's say there's a slight amount of knock occurring at, let's say, 3,300 RPMs, that's not audible. I can't see that. So because of that, I'm extremely conservative with my tuning capability. But... If he has a Series 2 or an Infinity, something where I can add a knock sensor to it, I can see, I can draw this beautiful knock curve, and then whenever it exceeds it, I can have the ECU add fuel and retard timing to keep it safe, 
and I can boost to my heart's content until we get to limitations of the fuel. So it helps me do a better job and gives you a better driving experience, you know? Tips for driving a turbo Honda in SoCal, be safe. <laughs> HHB Media, good seeing you. My three sons, nine, five, and 82, we're all watching with me today. Hello, family. Thank you so much for joining me today on this wonderful 165th episode of the, of the BCMO Tech Tuesday. Your current EV battery choice? I love LG chem cells a lot, but I'm getting pulled away with something, you know, another company that's, I need to get some samples here first, and I'm going to, usually, I'm going to a battery company now, I'm going to get some samples here, and once I get it here, uh, XO Truck, I'm going to put my documentation out there, I'm going to show what my results are. I want to beat the crap out of these batteries, I want to pull a ton of amps from them, I want to put them to a piercing test, I want to do all these great tests, and Hopefully in the next few weeks I can have those batteries here and test them in a car, on a bench, and on a chassis. Maybe I'll put in the K3, because I'm running LGs on that as well, and just see what we can get away with. So hang tight, I'll have I'll help, help with that indeed, you know? Can you help get head gases for a first-gen Viper, ABA Auto? Are they hard to find from a dealership? If so, you know, maybe, maybe I can help, because I have a good relationship with the guys from F FCA. Fully electric NSX, that'd, now that'd be cool. Can I convince Acura to let me do that? Oh, I would like to. Do you take interns? Of course, limited health. Um, send an email to lab, L-A-B, at bcmo.com and make something happen. Do you feel like you eventually go all electric for builds, or will you always do some petrol, says Kovolt? Um, that's a great question, sir. I can, with confidence, share this with you. Internally, for my own personal builds, I am fascinated by EV technology. I really am. So I don't know if you'll see any more new, from BC, new petrol builds, at least pure petrol. Would it, could it be a combination of petrol and electric? Yes. Could it be some kind of fuel cell technology? Yes. Could it be pure EV? Definitely. But petrol only? No. The M16, I feel, is the last one. Now, for my customers, I still will. Like, this customer just dropped this off a week and a half ago. That's a petrol vehicle. It's going to stay petrol. If anything, I'm going to upgrade it, that air-cooled engine to flex fuel to give them something that's a little bit more friendly, right? Uh, for the environment, and that's it. So I will do that for that client. Um, we had, um, there's a sport front-wheel drive vehicle on the lift right now that's being done as well, that's petrol. So for my customers, yes, I'll keep taking care of them. But for me, BC, as BC himself, it's, it's, it's EV in combination or in its purity for me. Does that include a Honda S300, says the Doors horse? Yes, the S300 doesn't give me the capability of building individual knock um, protocols for cylinders or for me to build a knock floor. I, I'm just kind of flying blind when I'm tuning with those. Do you recommend using a stock knock sensor for AEM Series 5? Yes, for any of the 506, 508s, yeah, you can use a factory one. And when I have engines, like we mentioned before, if I have a D Series or like um, an F Series engine where it doesn't come with knock sensor from factory, I tend to use a GM knock sensor or one, a Bosch one um, that you see in Porsches. And then I just calibrate the right frequency accordingly, and then, you know, have fun. And build my knock floor, which would be nice. Aruba's in the house, courtesy of Papa Crows. Thank you so much for joining indeed. Um, you, you, could you advise getting a 96 boxer for a track hanging car? Absolutely, Irina Taino. I, all my center seats, I have like two of them in the showroom right now, they're both boxers with carbon fiber roofs that are Kemen-esque. So I love boxers, you know, and what's interesting, I'll give you guys a hint, okay, something crazy about boxers, right? What's crazy about boxers is that I find them pretty cost-effectively. 
And I guess it's really a, a sad thing, but it's true and it helps me as, a, as an enthusiast and racer. Most people buy boxers because they wanted this entry-level Porsche that's pretty cost-effective. Then they don't maintain them. Then the engine expires. Then to fix it costs more than the car is worth. So you end up finding all these boxers laying around for like very cost-effective, you know, very low amounts of money. So you can, if you don't mind getting your hands dirty, um, you can find an expired engine or a smoking boxster, put a swap in it or a 911 engine or another boxster engine, do it yourself, rebuild the engine yourself, and now you have a very capable, well-balanced, fun car for a cost-effective manner. Or if you don't want to get into that, you can just buy one that's already running. And uh, especially the 986s and 987s, they're a lot of fun. 987s are a lot more tunable, but 986s are a blast. The mid-engine boxers are really a lot of fun, guys. I mean it, you know? Huge fan says E30 Puba for a long time. Thank you so much for the support. My question is, have you ever built an E30? No, I have not. I've tuned them, but in-house, because I don't have a relationship with the guys from BMW as a manufacturer, I haven't built one in-house. Building cars or OEMs helped me tremendously. It allows me to offset a lot of costs. allows me to do things that are more creative. I'm lucky that Porsche has been helping us recently, which is great. Working with American Honda is great. That's how we get the, the van and other things. Doing some great things with Hyundai, with a fantastic individuals to work with, Ford as well. Yeah, it's been great. And Wolf Doobie says Stellantis, absolutely correct. That's a combination of all the brands of Fiat Chrysler Group with Peugeot and Seat, Seat, Seat. Anyway, it's, it's, it's gonna be a really good. I think being able to combine those technologies and design opportunities is fantastic. Hello, Annie Kisealomo. Good seeing you. D-Link Designs from Belgium. Another Belgianite here. Good seeing you indeed. Any Mercedes-Benz engines you've been tuning? Quite a few. Mig, do you pay attention to my feed at all? <laughs> no, I do. Quite a few, actually. And there's one, I have a, I don't, you can't see it, but I have a Cosworth right there in the corner as well. See, the inside doesn't have a chance to live again. So, Kevin, you misunderstand. I don't plan on building any new petrol cars. So, like the Cayman, we just got this together, right, with a fully built engine. It's been in my arsenal. The inside's been in my arsenal. The van's been in my arsenal. I have cars in my arsenal that I'll continue to nurture. But a brand new, spanking new project car? And OEM comes? Yes, I'll gladly build one from OEM. But for BC to go and find, let's say, a Dodge Dart, and me to put a petrol engine in from a, let's say, a Challenger. I, I, no, I won't do that, you know? Also, Rojo91 says, hello from Arizona, greetings indeed. What do you think is the right amount of power for a street-driven K24 swap DC2 Integra? Should I go turbo or natural aspirated? So for me, I would say NA, that's fun, is like 230, 240s wheels. A lot of fun, K-series, nice. The Achilles hit on the K-series, especially on the gearbox of the RSX one, um, is the gearing. Because the gears are so narrow, they tend to shred very easily. So I see a lot of people with decent out power output really opting for like CRV gears, <laughs> you know, the front wheel drive ones, and because they're five speed and the gears are more fat or robust, or doing something aftermarket, you know. Um, but above and beyond that, boost wise, now let's say 240 is, doesn't tickle your fancy, it's a little bit too low. You can't like at liberty just go bananas with your power. Um, you could do a turbo system or even a supercharger system and do 400 wheel, and that you can do on petrol on a stock engine with a proper tune and it'll drive forever good oil spark plugs oh do your engine a favor run e85 and you're good to go 
Andrew Ward says, I think this has done it all with petrol. There's nothing left to explore. There is. There's some stuff. Um, one thing I haven't explored with, for example, Anthony, is pneumatic valves, where you don't have a camshaft and you have full control of the valves, no need for a throttle body. I haven't explored that. Um, do more things with coatings in the engines. I haven't explored every asset of every opportunity for coatings. It's just that, once again, a couple years ago, I could care less about EV stuff. I didn't want anything to do with it. And people make fun of me when I say this, but I thought it was for tree huggers, people who wore hemp sandals, individuals who just, you know, didn't care about speed. And then I just noticed a lot of my partners, the ones I just mentioned, the Hondas, the, the Fords, the, the, the Hyundais of the world, they started to move, like really focus a lot on this EV technology. I said, hey, if I really want to have sustainability as a company in this OEM world, I need to get a grasp on what they're doing. And hence, with some influence from some people that I met, from Michael Bream, from Ian, um, uh, um, Matt Peterson, um, oh, even my good mentor, you know, even John Krafshek and even John Consciaudi, all these great people, I decided to build it. Um, and first time I drove the K3V, which is right here next to me, my, I just lost my mind. It was absolutely bananas. And it changed my life. And now I'm so intrigued with the efficiency and the power and the torque and the speed and then the sound, yes, there's sound. And it's, it's just changed everything. So there's a lot to explore. It's nice. AstroFS said, you should convince Acura. It would be great advertising for them. And it would be a great project for you and great content for us. I agree, indeed. I, I should really. So two days ago, I spoke to one, because they have an agency that handles a lot of their PR. So I spoke to one of the heads of that PR agency. I, I should probably touch base with him again and, and, and really get him going. Apple Valley up the hill. Good seeing you, Jacob. Thanks for joining. Is a knock sensor based on audio or does it measure vibration based on dimensional movement? A little bit of both. It is a glorified microphone. It really is. Um, but it's almost, it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you, because what I'm monitoring are frequencies. I'm monitoring frequency vibrations and the amplitude of, of those vibrations, you know? Which I guess the microphone does as well. Hello, WW Whips. Good seeing you. Can we get a co-star on Odyssey? Never hold a co-star on it. I just moved that thing a moment ago. Maybe I'll come back in and do that. One thing I didn't notice is that my battery's misbehaving. I need to put another, I need to call Odyssey and get another battery. That battery's been there forever. And I guess I've, I've put it through a lot of deep cycles. Anyway, have you ever done a car build, says Abraham or Abe? I'm looking down because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, Abraham. I really am. It's my fault. My fault, totally. It's my fault. So Abraham, I hone my teeth, I hone my skills in small displacement, high RPM engines running carburetors for many years. Um, a majority of the trophies I have in my office and my home are from me running side draft Webers and McCoonies racing. Back in the day, I'm talking about mid 90s when I started tuning, we didn't, we didn't have the capability of having engine management solutions that are cost effective, we didn't have ITBs. They're commercially available, so we'd get a TWM manifold, bolt on some side draft Webers or McConies, and we'd tune literally our jets, emulsion tubes, and even our Venturi sizes to optimize the amount of power we can make. So I've done tons of car builds, influenced a lot of people. I was actually sponsored by a carburetor company, by Weber, in Italy. So for many years, I raced semi-pro for many, many years. Only when I found my injection guys, as we came into the mid, you know, early to mid-2000s, starting to surpass me because I was limited by my jet sizes that I then transfer over to ITVs, courtesy of Kinsler. And then brought the Kinsler brand 
with my hand of my fr good friend Scott over to the Honda scene and all that good stuff. And everything is history. So all these Honda guys, some of them make fun of me, which is interesting, um, all benefit from the influence that we provided for introducing Kensler ITBs to that world. If you're ever parting it inside, you go through me first, says Anthony. I'm not parting it out. That's one of those cars that I would end up retiring and maybe creating my own museum and just having it when I move on. And maybe my children can experience it or drive it or reminisce, you know? DJ Romanoff, let me know, sir. I'm here for you. Seat, says Corvold. Thank you, sir. Seat, Seat. I know it's, I said Seat, huh? C8? Anyway, yeah, Seat. Have you ever worked with Mazda? Yes, Astrefe. Um, on an influence capacity, I've never built one. We never could get to the point where I needed to build a car for them. Mazda's been very kind to us. They provided me a lot of press cars for me to explore. Um, they've provided me opportunities for, I would say, interaction with their uh, study groups, which is great. Um, I've done a Tech Tuesday at their facility. Uh, they've been kind enough to fly me and my significant other out to Monterey and explore the Laguna Seca Raceway during the historics. It's been just fantastic, but I've never got to the point where I crossed over to the motorsports side to be able to build a car with and for them. So maybe that'll change. You never know. Maybe that's a, uh, you just gave me a reason to touch base with them to see how things are going. Malaysia in the house. Good seeing you indeed. Ninja Bundles. Thank you so much. Porsche Love says, Mr. Good seeing you. Uh, Siat. There you go. Says Dealing. Thank you so much. You, see, we don't have those here. Maybe with this whole collaboration between all these brands, maybe Peugeot will come back here. Maybe Siat will come back here, which is pretty good, you know? Um, when, cha when changing the thermostat on the Odyssey, do you use a bit of Honda Bond and housing before bolting it back up? Says Dippin' Deep. Luckily for me, the Odyssey has a very nice, well, I mean, I built this brand new, right? So the gasket was still very pliable and nice. Um, in the event that I'm reusing a very old gasket, yes, I'll use some Honda Bond, let it dry for a bit before I start putting fluids in. And I'll give you guys one secret dip in deep. Whenever I have a naturally aspirated engine and I tend to turbocharge it, bear in mind that the cooling system is designed on the NA setups for the heat from the NA setup. And when you turbocharge them, it tends to introduce a lot more heat, which most cooling systems aren't up to the task of handling. So I do tend to modify my thermostat to allow a little bit more flow. I don't remove the thermostat completely because if you remove it completely, you know what happens? The water flows through the engine system so quickly, it doesn't have enough time to slow down and create that heat exchange with the radiator. So you still need a restrictor, hence being this thermostat, to slow it down enough for you to be able to have optimal heat exchange. So I tend to modify the aperture to allow a bit more flow without removing it entirely. And boy, that works so well. So my van actually has that, which is pretty cool. Third type of engine, V, inline engine rotary. My third type of engine are the flat engines. I love flat sixes, flat eights. If you can find them, flat twelves, you can find them because they're so balanced. Even though I hone my teeth in inline fours and I've had a lot of fun with V6s like one of them van back there, they tend to have these harmonics that play a role in not being very friendly to vibrations or efficiency or balance. Meanwhile, the opposing six engines that you may see in the Porsches there in water-cooled or air-cooled application, you don't even need a damper. You know how at the end you have these big, massive, heavy dampers which you still have to, to some extent, overcome the weight of that and continue to have fun with those? or tune them properly so you don't have any damaging fifth wave harmonics that can come into play and shatter your crankshaft or brake mounts. Well, guess what? You don't have to worry about that with flat engines, flat fours, flat sixes. Because the pistons and rods are opposing each other, they tend to balance themselves out, cancel out, and make for a very nice, interesting sounding engine, but also extremely smooth 
in character and in operation. What's the most, most horsepower per liter you've ever made? As I did good 91. Let me calculate that. Give me a second. In natural aspiration, I have done, let's see, 4, 3, 1 times 1.17. Okay. Divided by, let's see how many liters do we have in that? 2.5. I've done 201.7 per liter natural aspirated, and boosted is just ridiculous. So what would be a good one? Um, would it be the Odyssey or the one I just did recently? Oh, the Genesis. It's a 3.8 though. Oh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Which is better? Um, 10.88 divided by 3.8. Oh, 2.86 on the Genesis. On the Odyssey, 10.9 divided by 3.6. Yeah, 286, thereabout. On um, um, boost applications, not even pushing it. Oh, wait a minute, that's these engines. I've done better on the wagon, haven't I? Um, or better yet, I've done better on the wagon. So that's uh, 726 times 1.17, 70% drive miles divided by 1.6, 530. 530 I've done, 530. And that's a, doing an 800 horsepower plus on a 1.6 liter, that's it. That's it. Thank you, I didn't go to very good question. Can you do 300 NA on a K24? Astrid, of course. You can do 400 wheel on a K24. You can do, I mean, with interesting fuels, you can do much more than that. But yeah, you can totally do that. No problem whatsoever. Thank you so much, says Coppen Sneakers. Says it's loved by Speedtail build. Yeah, it's in paint right now. I'd love to show you guys some sneak peeks, but I can't. It's going to be launched in a few months at SEMA in the Toyo booth, so stay tuned. It's going to be bananas. And that's going to be, you know, I'd love to say that's going to be my drop the mic moment, but it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Boston says, has Ellison gifted me with any acronym gear? Of course, I have his shoes. I have this pretty cool truck. I wrote one of my Tech Tuesdays. You have to look back. You have to go on YouTube on the BeastMo YouTube page. And if you haven't subscribed, guys, please, after this, go subscribe. And I have, I have his, his shirt. I have the jacket. It was amazing. Really cool tactical gear. Really amazing. Beautiful. He's so talented. Hello, Joel. I haven't seen you in a while, brother. Hopefully you're doing well, you know? Can you explain the Porsche Turbo Drain System, the one I have there, or a factory one? They're very similar in composition, meaning on that Cayman, for example, which didn't come turbocharged, I do have from one of the heads a feed for the turbo system that splits into feeding and cooling and lubricating each one of those 57 millimeter turbos. Underneath it, I do have this canister which is like a drip tank that is gravity drip. So when you lubricate the cartridge of the turbo, you gravity drop into this cartridge. Then I have a suction pipe which comes together from each turbo into a V on the blue one. But on this one, I have each one going to a head to a scavenge pump. So I have scavenge pumps on the heads of these that sucks up the oil that is gravity fed into the, directly into the cartridge or the bottom of the cartridge. Um, could I go from the turbo straight to scavenge, that wouldn't be a good idea because sometimes it can overcome the seals in the, in the, in the inside of the cartridge itself. So I tend to gravity feed into a vented catch can and that vented catch can then has a scavenge pump which sucks out. The M16, I did something different because the way my head sit, I cannot get to the head scavenge pump very easily. So I, I have a V going to a, a, an electronic turbo works pump which then sucks 
the vented catch cans or, or drip tanks and then pumps it into the cavity in the head and puts it back into my crankcase. So I hope that helps. Do you ever travel to New York State? It's been a long time, 90CRX, and definitely not now since the pandemic. I haven't left the state of California since January last year. Crazy. EVK9 with a new OEM body kit, Honda released. I haven't seen that. That'd be pretty cool. I need to go look that up. There's so much that is special about Koenigsegg. Some of the most innovative petrol things are coming from there. I agree, but you notice that Koenigsegg is also moving heavily, heavily, deeply into the EV space. So you see some of their new offerings. It's actually fantastic. Can that just help with miles per gallon? Not necessarily, because once again, whenever you add oxygen or oxygenate to a closed system, you have to add a proper amount of fuel to keep things proper. By consuming more fuel because of the increased oxygen, you are now reducing your miles per gallon over the same distance traveled. So, point is no. I don't see how that can happen. I was thinking of a quick sequential gearbox for the K24 DC2. Would you also be able to exhaust pulse tuning as well? Absolutely on both, and that's a good idea for both as well. Hello, Giovanni, long time no speak. Hopefully you all as well. Can I stop by, says DJ Ramaroff? Yeah, feel free to. I'm, I'm here, uh, I think till seven o'clock tonight. Um, when do you start the speed still? German's driver's club is asking. Already started, sir. It's in paint as we speak. The body is completely on the car right now. So um, we just need to seal some things because the body we have is from a proper, um, proper 935L. And it was designed for a partial tube chassis. <laughs> so we're trying to graft it to a G-body chassis. So it's a lot of work. But just to make it roadworthy, right? So we've already started and you know, I would love to be able to share some insights on that, but I'm not, I'm sort of secrecy. I can't. But when it's done, you guys, I'm sure you guys will love it. Nick says, hello, are there other cost-effective motor battery solutions for EV conversions comparable to Tesla Power? Yes. Um, a very cost-effective one, which I, I'm yet to use, but I, I've seen other people use it with success, um, including my good friend Ryan, who I'll be seeing on Thursday, is our batteries from the Chevy Volt. The Chevy Volt is uh, a hybrid of sorts. Um, a plug-in hybrid where you can use battery power for about 50 miles or so, depending on driving style, and then it converts to petrol. So since most people's commute are less than 30 miles a day, you can drive, go to your destination, charge, and maybe at work, go home, charge overnight, go, and you probably never use, there are people who go two years without even touching a drop of fuel from the tank onboard tank. So that battery pack is about 16 kilowatt hours, very power dense. So you can have a lot of fun with that. A lot of people tend to parallel those if they want a more range, if they want to get to something like a 100 mile range like what Ryan did, uh, plus they will tend to, which is once again depending on your regen and also driving style, you can parallel those and get a decent amount of um, power from them. And they cost, you can find them for like $25, $2,600 for a pack of 16 kilowatt hours. Um, they're pretty, like a T-shape, pretty big in consumption of real estate but you can break them down and, and move them around to some extent. So those are fairly cost effective. Have you worked on LSV8s? Yes, quite a few limited shelf. I've tuned quite a few of them here at the facility with success indeed. So many great questions. Um, this guy, Nito, is asking something in Russian which I don't understand. Please build yourself a drug series again. 98 series, I'd love to. It's just so much, so many projects, so little time. There's a yellow one right there, customers want to lift. That one, we did a convert EV, there's a Boxer right there, there's a Mercedes there, there's a Rolls right here, a 336, a, a bus. I, I'm, so, I'm so knee deep in projects, can I do that? 
WPC or coatings, both Giovanni. So I love WPC on everything that's friction reducing. On the bearings, on the crankshaft, on the rockers, on the camshafts, on my piston skirts. But for keeping heat of combustion in the combustion chamber where it needs to do work, I tend to ceramic coat the combustion chamber and the piston domes with success, of course. Can I use a D15B transmission on a B16A engine? Yes, you could. Absolutely could. The challenge with the D15B, however, is that the forks are aluminum. So what happens is when you have any spirit of driving, a little bit of shock to it, you break the forks and start grinding. My suggestion, if you want a DB combination, look for the transmission that people really don't care about. The transmission from the D16A1 first generation Acura Integra from 1986 to 1989. That's what I drag race with. I put 400 plus wheel horsepower on 28 inch slicks to the transmission and it laughs at me. The gearing is very nice. Fifth gear exists outside the casing with a little cap. So it acts like it has this handcuff in between fifth and fourth gear, robust. And because people don't know what's going on with it, they are cheap. You can find it from Wrecking Yard. I found it for 75 bucks at a pick apart. It's crazy. So use that with a diaper plate and you can make it happen with success. Any chance of getting your hand on the new Toyota Yaris GR, the highest three-cylinder engine ever? Maybe as our relationship with Toyota continues to blossom, maybe that can happen indeed, you know? Thank you so much, FSA. Thank you so much. Plans for SEMA says Boss Hog ACC. Okay, let's see. What can I share? I plan on building, as we sit today, we have three projects for SEMA. Two German, one English. Um, all three with advanced technology. Um, I just had an email with the guys from Hyundai, so I don't know what we have in plans for them today. And I'll let you know. But as we sit right now, I have three planned for SEMA. Could you do 904 with an LS engine? Of course. There's a space and capabilities of that. It's a very cost-effective swap indeed. Thank you so much, Custom Cars. When is Hedy going to start her cooking channel? Since we get to miss, she'll be here soon. I'll, I'll definitely ask indeed, you know? Great question. <laughs> oh, do pushes right now? No, I'm not going to do that. Hello, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining indeed. Good afternoon. Are there two German car Porsches? Yes, that's a... That's an old-school Porsche air-cooled setup, and that's a 911, of course, and that's a Porsche Cayman right there behind me. Indeed. So, guys, based upon that, thank you, Crystal, for that question. I'm going to bid you guys adieu. It's, it's almost an hour. I'm getting this warning on my phone. But thank you so, so much for joining me on this Tech Tuesday, this 165th. Sorry about the noise in the background. It's really windy outside. I hope my hybrid is still out there <laughs> chilling because it may be blown away. But we got the warning. But stay safe, guys. Please continue to do the great things in life that can affect others positively. As I mentioned earlier, be that person that you needed when you were younger. And of course, we have American Cars here, um, Mr. Sex Through Portal. Um, I just talked about a Viper that I'm bringing in here. That's why I kind of clear the space here. Anyway, guys, take care, stay safe. Go to Bisamoto channel, YouTube, subscribe. Hit the notification bell so every time I put up some cool videos, you get to see. Thank you, Astref. Take care, guys. This will go up soon. Stay safe. Cheers. Bye-bye.